0: to and a show Hello, this is Justin Joseph Hall, welcome to Feature in a Short, a monthly screening hosted by 4 Films, where an appointed contributor presents their chosen feature motion picture and a short movie. There is only one condition for the screening selection, the presenter must have been directly involved with one picture, but not the other. This week we have another, his name is Christian Felix, he is an amazing actor, listener, and even better, and lucky for you guys, one of the best storytellers. He always comes to set. Um, we worked on Sardines Out of a Can together, which was directed by former guest Shinnelli Bomek. And Christian was incredibly professional, knowing all of his lines and being ready to be malleable for the film. Christian brought two films where he wanted to talk a lot about what it's like to be on different sets for the short film. Christian presented the small one by Variety Shack called Book Club from 2004.
1: Yeah, I can introduce the first short. So, I mean, I'm primarily... Uh... A stage actor, and my career has taken a lot of different twists and turns. And initially, when Justin asked me to be a part of this show, there were a couple of features that I was featured in. And then I remembered Jenali; she was part of an all-female comedy troupe, Variety Shack, um, that was kind of trailblazing in, in a sense. But a part of their their deal was that they made these these shorts. And they would involve different friends and things like that. And this is early days. This is two thousand and six. Whoa! And she's like, "Hey, would you mind coming and helping us out with this set? We just need you to be to be an extra." But what was so wonderful about that experience was to watch this ensemble kind of really kind of start getting a sense of themselves and just watching a lot of brilliant improv and play. And that was one yeah. of the first shorts. Yeah. So in a sense, it was very DIY. And how many people
0: were on set on this project?
1: It was skeletons. It was pretty bare bones. There
0: were two cameras. I remember that.
1: Like very low budget. And it, and it was all like, we're going to have fun. But there was definitely like a degree of professionalism in the sense that they had a clear, like, we're doing this, 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 this. And so because of that, like, I didn't feel like I was wasting my time. And, you know, they were very appreciative of the fact that I donated my time that kind of helped them out.
0: And then we watched the short film serving frothed milk and the optional tea or coffee well after that of course we had a short discussion oh and i'll I'll tell you one thing christian had some stories prepared and was ready to tell (laughs) brings me joy And Christian did a great job in the background. I was lucky
1: that I didn't have to face the camera though, because I was cracking
0: up. Uh, How do you spend your time on set as like an extra?
1: You're as present as you are when you are a principal. There's a technical aspect to being an extra, like when you're involved with more elaborate scenes where a character is moving through a, a, a chaotic situation and you're part of that chaos, that chaos has to be choreographed. You have to hit your mark. So uh, I don't do much extra work anymore. But what I will say is that I was an extra in Trust the Man, which is a film with Billy Crudup and Julianne Moore and Eva Mendes was in it. And I had cater waitered at Donna Karen's private home. And all these people were there, including Eva Mendes. And Eva Mendes and I had a moment when I was clearing her plate and the bartender opened up a Corona and it went all over me. And she started patting me off. and like, oh my gosh, you're all wet. And like, me. I'm like, oh my gosh, Eva Mendes. She's, she's a, she is a rare, when you encounter her charisma and her beauty is quite overwhelming. And I had an early call the next day for a, an extra gig. It was 150 again in this club scene. I was, you know, I'm five hours of sleep, and I was in the holding area, and the AD, the assistant director, comes in, and at that point I had dreadlocks, and I looked a little different than I look today. (laughs) And they were like, you, you, you appointed me and two other guys, and was like, your job is gonna be, you're gonna be featured extras now, you're gonna be the dancers, and your job is to dance with Eva Mendez for the whole day, and block out Billy Crudup from being able to dance with her. And so that led to me reconnecting with Eva Mendez and she recognized me. And so you, you get, so things can change. And the only other thing that I'll say is that on The Good Shepherd, I was an extra in a jazz club. Robert De Niro directed that. Oh, this is a good story, guys. And uh, <laughs> these two principal actors were seated with us and were waiting on set and waiting for Robert De Niro to come. And they were hot-miked, and one of them was like, oh, I had to miss a reading to be here. And and then they said something to the degree of, like, I would never do background work. I would never do extra work. And, like, they're literally, like, around, like, all of these extras. <laughs> and so the AD comes on set and is like, um, all right, um, Bobby's going to be coming down shortly. We want to run the scene now, just kind of rehearse. So they they do it. Then Robert De Niro comes on set. The warmest, nicest, most decent energy, introduces himself to folks all around, these folks, not just the principals, including he introduced himself to me, and then he has them run it, and he whispers to the AD, the AD goes to them, they try it again, Bobby goes up, Robert De Niro goes up to the like, um, yeah, so we're actually, we're not, I'm not quite seeing what, um, what I, what I need from you guys, but don't worry, you're still being in the shot, you're gonna hang out, but we're, we're gonna just recast this. <laughs> And they literally like they pointed to me. They pointed to, like two other people, and like stood us up, and like we're kind of like they literally. Re- I didn't get the, the part, but this other extra got the fucking part, awesome. and called his agent. Was like, I know, <laughs> and that's how that's quickly awesome. and fluid, and you just never ever know. Um, yeah. So I had a blast on that, and I'm happy I was a part of it. I just
0: want to explain to everyone your current data. the other universe. Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, so, like, for the past twelve years, I've been working in more corporate environments and talking about issues related to diversity and inclusion, primarily through implicit or unconscious bias. If you would ask me when I first started out with my acting career, if I were to be doing this kind of stuff, absolutely not. But I'm so happy that I am now. Um, beyond that diversity and inclusion stuff, now I do other coaching that uses the principles of performance to just help normal normal people. And that's also pretty cool. The acting and the performance of it isn't just meant for the stage or the the screen and that, quite frankly, like, it's happening all around us all the time. We're all All performing in some degree.
0: What is like the worst set you've been on?
1: The worst set that I've been on was The Blacklist. I was a (laughs) co-star. And shooting TV can be very, very tedious and mundane you can get burnt out and it's long days and everything so I felt for the guy because he clearly was burnt out and he had like a lot of other shit going on but like you get this set like you know they take you to your do you have a little honey wagon trailer that's kind of feels like a jail cell after a while because it can be really small unless your agent gets you a double y but for someone like me I never get a double y and they bring you to set and then because when you're a principal instead of being in like a generic holding area you have like, a PA that kind of handles you, like, takes you to your chair that says your name or says, like, cast. And, like, for this particular scene, it was me and then the two principal actors. The other FBI agent, who's like the Persian woman, this redhead, and me. So we all had our seats. And so I go over there, and he doesn't he doesn't even, like, acknowledge my presence, oh. like, introduces himself. Like, she's like, hey, how are you? Welcome. Then... We start rehearsing the scene. There is no rehearsal in TV. Like, that's a misnomer. In theater, you know, you're exploring choices and you're really kind of investigating all these different... No, in, in, in TV, you're just, like, all about the camera. As opposed to about the actor, it's a totally different orientation. And literally, on the last set that I was on, some PAs were joking around, but they essentially referred to um, actors as meat puppets. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh and that's, my God! That's TV for you. Oh
0: wow! <laughs>
1: At this point, I I try to give the benefit of the doubt. Always, kind of like I'm really happy to be here, and regardless of what happens around me, it's still a good experience for me. And nine times out of ten, that works. Like on this last one, it's called *The Flight Attendant* at HBO. Kaylee Kuko. She's oh. the star, and oh. so I spent the whole day with her. And <laughs> she she was fantastic. She was great energy, fantastic, That's fun. Awesome. Like anyway, so we okay, get, you we, get we get we get this set on the blind on the blacklist. And we run the scene, and it's these FBI agents coming out, the security guard, they're coming into this cryogenic clinic, and I have to be like, you don't have authority to go in there. And like, they gave me a gun, so I'm like, in the script, it's like, grab the gun, like, okay? And so I do everything that I'm told. And then I cut, and he literally turns to the director and is like, is he gonna do it like that? And I'm oh like, my oh my God. God! Look
0: at that? <laughs> Who said that?
1: This FBI, the redhead. Oh my God. And then you realize, and so then the director comes up and then like the, then the fight choreographer gets involved, but then the fight choreographer, the prop master gets involved. They're like, they're talking, they're like, don't, 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 don't grab the gun, like, just go for the phone. I was like, no problem. So we start running it again and then I realize he's pissed off because his character, after, he, after I'm like, you don't have authority, go in there. He's like looking around, he like, turns his party, he's like, what the fuck is this place, right? And he's like, do I have to say that? And they're like, yep, the script's been approved. 30 Rock is we can't change it. He's like, can you can you call can you call them? Oh uh, my god. He's like, of course I know. Of course I know what this place is. He says like, it says right there on the fucking wall. You
0: know? <laughs> 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 so he's, like,
1: he's, it's like this comments. He's in is his own head
0: about and then And then
1: what gets in even in more in his own head is that he had some shit in his fucking eye. So when we he might have had fucking pink eye, I don't know. His eye was fucking blowing up. And so as we're finally getting into the final shots, he's coming up to me. He's like, you know, I'm like, like, you don't have a to go in there, you fucking pink eye, pink motherfucker.
0: After that short discussion, we took a quick break. We made sure to have brown bottled beer, bread greens and milk, and uh, one bourbon shot for surprise for our following film, Blue Collar. It
1: is the best performance Richard Pryor has delivered as an actor. Wow! He's in this. Uh, He's he's in it. He's in it. So the film was written by Paul Schrader, uh, who wrote four Scorsese scripts. He's a screenwriter, but in addition to writing this with his brother Leonard... He, this is his directorial debut, and he pitched it to Pryor, who just was coming off of a TV hit special, and he won a Grammy for his album, which was called Bicentennial Nigger. Oh. And so he was like hot, hot, hot. And Harvey was at the top of his game, um, and Yafik Kota, who who you'll recognize, he pitched it to each and every one of them that they would be the star of this film. And as you'll see, it's very much so like an ensemble. It's very much so like Variety Shack in a sense. But this is a dramatic feature. Because of that, tensions quickly started to develop. By the time they shot a scene where they're all on the couch, it was the last day and Richard attacked Harvey Keitel and his bodyguard and got sued for $1 million for throwing a what? chair at, a, <laughs> at, a, at another actor. Whoa. The tensions were so high. Paul Schrader said it's the closest time he's come to having a mental breakdown. Wow. And so I bring that all back because I contrast that with the vibe that was on The Variety Shack. Yeah. But, and I, and as we were talking earlier about diversity and inclusion and kind of like going into like corporate environments and like talking about good behavior and this, that, and the third, film and entertainment industry is one area where it's the wild, wild west. And in, in many ways, it, it always is going to be. And within that kind of wild, wild west territory where kind of anything flies, Richard Pryor was showing up high as fuck. And dealing with these battling egos, but what it produced and what it created is insane. And so I, I think this, this film really speaks to me in so many ways, and the story itself, is, it's set in Detroit, automotive. What's um, the time? It's 1970s, Six. and it's all about the common man being taken advantage of by the the man. And what's fascinating is Harvey Keitel, Richard Pryor, and Yapit all are auto workers at this auto plant. And what they said is that actually didn't reflect reality at the time, because a Polish Harvey Keitel would never be coworkers and being buddy buddy with his black Otter. It was still very segregated. So it took some liberties to try to tell a story, but at the same time, it still was telling a story that I think is still super relevant today. And I like it because Richard Pryor is 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 really just showing. He was just amazing, and wow. such a well-rounded, holistic. Performer. It's definitely my favorite Richard Pryor film.
0: Wow, that's saying a lot. Yeah. So after the film, we talked with Christian a little bit more. And that's
1: what's so crazy about this film. Everybody's style is different, right? Everybody's fucking
0: style is different. And
1: so that's what's tough. If you have one actor. Want, Where's her pizza? It's not. Okay, you know what? What are you wearing, bro? Like, I thought you just had a little Boy Scout sash or something. Do that. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. He was talking about milk and everything. I was like, alright, go scout.
0: <laughs> Great time and just to let you know in a forecast to look forward to, we have, I believe, 10 or 11 other podcasts each and every year that Shanali Bomek and Christian Felix, we both heard tonight uh host and it is called we don't even know if you want to hear us all sing the theme song just listen to the beginning of each podcast and then continue on and if you want to attend that we're always at kgb bar red room in new york the fourth tuesday of the month so uh come on down or just write us a note at four wind films that's f-o-u-r-w-i-n-d-f-i-l-m-s um thank you to Thomas Kelsey and Laura Davi for helping with the event, Brian Trahan for mixing, and Sun Nectar for the lovely additional music. So again, thank you very much. Peace.